0: Bible with you. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there is one in the pew in front of you if you'd like to follow along. As you're finding your place in Luke 15, I would remind you that the Bible is the revelation of God. That means that God has revealed Himself and details about himself and his characteristic and his attributes and his operations in Scripture. These things would not be knowable if God did not reveal them to us. Not only does the Bible reveal us truth about God, the Bible reveals us truth about ourselves. Uh, There are some things that we would not know about our own humanity and our sinful condition if the Bible didn't reveal it to us. It also reveals us the inner workings of God's universe and how that we can take those actions to right things that have been wrong. All of that is on display in Luke chapter 15. Jesus is speaking to a mixed audience. There are publicans and sinners. Those would have been your secularist Jews who made no pretense of religion. And then you also have Pharisees who were the very religious. And these publicans and sinners, many of them were repenting and coming to faith in Christ, becoming believers. And the Pharisees were disgruntled by this, were upset by that, indignant about that. And so Jesus who is God in the flesh, gives some revelation in Luke 15 where he reveals some truth about God and he reveals some truth about these people. Luke 15, we jump into the text in verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to eat and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it is our sole desire and intent to uncover the original intention of this revelation. We don't want to impose our own meanings on it. We want to come and allow your word to speak and to explain itself so that we can understand exactly what the message is of this text and then take that and apply it to our lives. Father, I pray that you would help me to be a faithful expositor of your word. Help me only, Lord, to uncover those things that you have revealed Lord, I pray and ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and that you would enable me with an unction from on high to preach your word and proclaim your truth today and may it have a life-changing impact on all who hear it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In this chapter, Jesus is teaching a lesson about repentance. It's a lesson about repentance. It's one lesson in three Parables, And so if you read the entirety of this chapter, verse 1 through verse 32, you will find that Jesus is addressing this issue between the Pharisees and the publicans. He tells three parables, three earthly stories that illustrate a heavenly truth. But there is only one lesson that all three of these parables are teaching. Well, parable 1 is the parable of the lost sheep. A man had a 100 sheep, one was lost. He went out and searched for them until he found it. And then it says in verse 7, uh, the moral of that parable is repentance. It's stated there in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons. Parable number 2. Is the parable of the lost silver. This lady had ten pieces of silver. One of them gets lost in her house. She lights a candle. She sweeps and cleans the house until she finds the lost silver. She calls her friends together and has a party. My silver that was lost is found. The moral of the story is laid out for us in verse 10. It is stated, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repentance. You see the pattern that is established there. Now in this rabbinic tradition, in this Jewish style, the third parable teaches the same thing, but it doesn't state repentance in the parable. It demonstrates repentance. So parable number three is the parable of the lost son. Unlike the sheep, unlike the silver, the son is volitional. He makes the choice to leave But when he comes back, when he repents, notice, he repents there in uh, verses 17 through 21. He comes to himself, Father, I've sinned. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant. You know what happens right after he repents? They are merry and they have a party because of one sinner who repented And so as you think about this, and we are coming into this text, we're understanding the entire theme of this chapter is repentance. But what... Does that have to do with drawing near to God? That's our theme this year. That's what we've been focusing on. That's what we're talking about is getting nearer to God. And you might say, well, how does repentance work into getting nearer to God? Well, think about it this way. Our goal is to draw increasingly nearer and closer to God, and that is the goal. Man, when we start out this Christian life, we, we just want to keep getting closer and closer and closer and closer, but... Inevitably, we draw away sometimes. Sometimes we withdraw, sometimes uh, we are drawn away, sometimes we allow other things to come between us and put distance between us and God. Now again, let me just remind you, we're not talking about losing our salvation, you can't lose it because Jesus is the one who's holding it for you, uh, but you and I can be nearer to God or we can be farther away from God based upon the choices that we make. And so let me ask you a little question this morning, if you'd be honest, have you ever felt distant from God? You ever felt distant from God? Yeah. If you've, if you've been a Christian any time at all, we, we all have. There are times when we try to pray and we just feel like we're, we're not getting through. We're speaking to the ceiling. We, we try to read the Bible, but it just seems to be something that is not alive to us. That there are times in our life when we just feel that we are distant from God. Well, repentance Is how we get close to God again. Repentance is how we close the gap and come back to God when there has been some distance between us and Him. Repentance is God's provision for His children to draw near to Him again. And so repentance sometimes is is viewed as this one-off that we need to repent of our sins and turn to Christ and get saved. And then that's the only time repentance happens in our life. It was when we made that big change of mind to turn from our sins to Christ. But the fact is repentance is supposed to be a regular occurrence in the Christian life because you and I do not always get closer to God there's a lot of times that we turn aside that we dawdle that we draw back and repentance is God's provision for you and I to draw near again it's not just saved up for the really wayward as we will see either sometimes we think well you know I pray every day, but when I've been really bad, I repent. No, repentance is not just this big gun that's brought out when I feel like I'm really far away from God. Repentance is any time that I sense that there's distance between me and my God. Something has interrupted our walk. Something has drawn me away. It is for any time we sense that distance. And so I want to walk us through this third installment, this third parable about the lost son, and show you how we can draw near through repentance. Number one, we see the draw of distance, the draw of distance. In verses 12 and 13, there, is, there was some appeal to this younger son about getting away from from the Father's house. Now, I think we all relate to this because there's something in our human nature that kind of goes through the same thing that as we are going through adolescence, there comes this, this, this period or this phase in our development when we're wanting to be out on our own, we're wanting to get away from our parents and our parents' rules and our parents' supervisions, and we want to be in charge of our own lives. And while that is a natural course of going from adolescence into adulthood, that is not what is happening in this scenario. What is happening here is that there is something inside of this boy that says, you know what, I think life would be better out there outside of the father's house than it would be in here inside of the father's house interestingly the country to which he goes is nameless did you notice that in verse 13 and not many days after the younger son gathered together and took his journey into a far country I don't think there's any accidents on the words that God selects in scripture. The only identifying mark of this country is that it's far from the father's house. It's far from the father's house. Where does he want to be? Far away. Just I just want to get out of here. I want to get away. I've had too much of this. And I say to you that whatever was in that boy that drew him away from his father's house is in all of us. There's something in us. Even as Christian, born-again children of God, that at times we think that it would be better out there. That we just want to get out of the father's house and do our own thing a little while. Is that not what James 1.14 explains to us about the draw of distance? It says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's in all of us. We all have this sinful, selfish, lustful nature inside of us that is combatant with the spiritual side. And that sinful, selfish side of us wants to get away We don't always know where we want to go. We just know we want to go away. By the way, the Father gives us liberty to be near or far from Him. The Son comes to the Father and makes a request that the Father did not have to bestow. Give me the inheritance that's coming to me. Well, hold on, Son. You don't get the inheritance until your Father passes away. It's not what you are entitled to. He's making a request of the Father, give me my inheritance in advance. And the Father does so. Why? Because God is revealing something to you and I that your life is yours to do with what you want. He gives you your salvation. It is up to you what you do with it. You have the liberty to make the choice. The choice is yours whether you live near or you live far from the Father. The choice is up to you. Second, we see the difficulties of distance. First, there's the draw. Have you ever noticed that when the draw comes in... That whatever it is in our hearts and minds that is, that is attracted to whatever's out there, there's a lot of fantasizing that goes along with that. I mean, we imagine how it's going to be. It's all positives. There's no negatives. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and it's going to be great. And people are going to say this and they're going to think that. And man, we build it up in our minds and, and we just increase that draw until we say, yeah, it's going to be great. But then when we step out what we find is that the way becomes difficult pretty quickly. The prospects are high when you first go, but, but soon the good times run out, and, and, and things become more difficult. That's what happened to this young man. He spends all of his living on riotous activities, and then there's a great famine that enters into the land, and so he can't even get a regular job. And the next thing we find is that he's feeding pigs, slopping the hogs. As the son found out, life becomes increasingly harder the farther you are from the father's house. I cannot tell you how many times I've preached this to my kids. Hey boys, let me tell you something. I want you to love the Lord and I want you to live for Jesus all your life. And when you're in my house, I can ensure that that happens to a certain amount. But once you leave my home, it is going to be up to you and you have a choice to make. But let me tell you this, if you choose to live far away from the Father, life is going to become difficult, period. By the way, when life is difficult, I ask them, Have you prayed about this? I'm not saying every difficulty is a result of your distance from God, but it is a possibility. And so check yourself and see if maybe you've drifted some, and that's why the difficulty has been allowed to come in. What we see in this boy is that the pull of pride keeps drawing him further away. Hey, his money ran out. Do you understand at that point he could have said, well, this is not working out. I'm going to go back to the father's house. But no, the pride welled up inside of him like it does you and I. And he says, I struck out on my own. I left my father's house. I'm going to carve my own path. So I'm not going back. You know what I'll do? I'll join a citizen of this country. I'll go link my cart to someone else. This boy could have turned around and went back as soon as his money ran out, but his pride would not allow it. I won't embarrass you this morning, but no doubt every one of us can look back at our life and say, you know what, there's times that my pride took me even further away than I wanted to go. My pride wouldn't allow me to turn around. My pride wouldn't allow me to admit that I was wrong. My pride wouldn't allow me to do that. So instead, this young man makes another bad choice. Another bad choice that takes takes him even farther away from the father. Listen, if it doesn't take him further away in geographical distance, it does take him away in practice. You see, because the man that he joins himself to is a man who has pigs. And the boy's job is to feed the swine. You have to understand the stigma of the swine in the Jewish culture. It was an unclean animal declared by the Mosaic law when God gave the dietary uh, laws to the Jews. They were not to eat pork and they did not eat pork and they did not come in contact with the pigs and they didn't raise pigs. It was something that was perpetually filthy and defiling to be around those pigs. And here is a young man who has made choices that have drawn him away from the Father and he's getting even more distant in the practices of what he is doing not only is he feeding the hogs but he's living with the hogs and he's ready to eat with the hogs it could not get any lower than that for a young Jewish man that brings us to the third revelation and that is the dissatisfaction of distance in verses 17 through 19 we don't know exactly how long it took This young man to reach this point, but it is the point that we must all reach to turn back in repentance. Verse 17, and when he came to himself, what a beautiful statement that is. He came to himself, he had been living in a delusion. And now he comes to himself and he realizes, look, the distance is not paying off. It is disappointing. It is difficult. It is not what I imagine to be. I am so dissatisfied with where this distance away from the Father's house has gotten me that I'm ready to go back. And can I tell you, dissatisfaction is key to repentance. You will never repent until you are thoroughly dissatisfied with the sin or the distance that you are in. I must point out that it is the grace of God that allows us to feel the repercussions of our decisions while at the same time preserving our lives. You see, what's amazing about this story is that this young man did hit rock bottom and he feels the weight of his repercussions, but he's still alive and he's still able to return and go back to the Father's house. Let me tell you something. That is the grace of God. As long as you are breathing, the grace of God has been extended to you. God may have let you feel the Full weight of your decision, it may have crushed you to the ground, you may be at your wits end, you may have hit rock bottom, you may be writhing around down there in misery, but as long as you are breathing, the grace of God is giving you a turnaround spot. Second Corinthians 7:10 says, "For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. God allows. Us to feel the weight of our decisions, the repercussions of our decisions, even those sorrowing repercussions, so that He can bring us to the point of repentance. I think of it this way: God gives you turnaround spots along the way. Now, look, it's not always everywhere. Uh, yesterday, White and I decided to drive to Bluefield. And so we hopped in the car, got on 81, went to Wytheville, made the exchange, got on I-77 North, and no further did we get past Max Meadows, and then the traffic is slowing down and backing up. I am telling you. I'm thinking, what is going on? It's not a holiday weekend. I didn't know. I travel this route all the time. There wasn't construction up there. I pull up an app that I've got, and it showed me that the traffic didn't clear up until the other side of Walker's Mountain. That was seven miles away. Have you ever been stuck in traffic for hours? I mean, cars on this side, median or guardrail on this side. I mean, you're just stuck. You've got to ride it out. But then... Sometimes there's a turnaround spot, isn't there? Now, there's a little sign that says for authorized vehicles only, but I don't pay attention to that. I gave myself authorization. I'm telling you, yesterday I found a turnaround spot. It was right there, and I said, Why, we are not sitting in this traffic any longer. And we turned around, we repented That's what we did. You see, repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of direction. Hey, we're going to Bluefield. This is not a good plan. We're going back to Atkins. We turn around and we go back. The boy is going away from the father. I want distance between me and him. And it's so dissatisfying that he says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my mind about the decision. You know, it wasn't so bad back at the father's house. Oh, you know, as I think about it, the servants have more than what I have out here in the distance. I'm going to go back. I'm not worthy to be a son. I'm just going to ask if I can be a servant. Can I have a job on the farm, father? That's the change of mind that results in the change of direction when he heads back to the father's house. And then the fourth revelation is the de- decrease of distance. In verses 20 and 21. It is a beautiful picture. I love this part of the story. It says, And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Can I tell you this? The journey back is never as far as it feels. It's never as far as it feels. Let me tell you something. You, you put that distance between you and God and you experience the difficulties of life and you get to that place of dissatisfaction, you're going to look back and you're going to say, man, it's, it's a long ways back. I mean, there is so much water under the bridge. There is so many things that have transpired over this time But can I point out to you that as soon as the father saw that the boy repented, he ran to meet him. And notice the language there in verse 20, when he was yet a great way off. He didn't make that boy do the walk of shame. He didn't stand there on the porch. Making that boy agonize, what's the father going to do when I come back? He didn't make that boy get down and crawl back and beg him to accept him. When the father saw that he had actually repented, he ran to him while he was a great way off. Can I tell you, this illustrates the James four eight principle that our entire series is based upon. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. If you decide you want to get closer to God, whether that's through repentance or whatever avenue it is, when you make that step, God steps towards you. He closes the gap. The distance is not as far as it appears. It decreases in a phenomenal way. Can I tell you, that is a promise Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But I have to alert you to the fact that one of the lies of Satan is to tell you that you've gone too far to come back. That's what Satan whispers in your ear. That's what you think in your mind when you're thinking about repenting and go back. I've gone too far. I mean, I knew I shouldn't have went this far, but it was one bad decision and then another bad decision. Then I felt like I kind of got swept away and then I didn't care for a while. And now I think it's just too far for me to go back. Please do not believe the lie of the devil. Believe the promise of God. Draw nigh to him And he will draw nigh to you. If you are a child of God, you can never go too far to come back home. If you're a child of God, you can never go too far to come back home. The fifth revelation is the disappearance of distance. The disappearance of distance. Check this out. Verse 22, but the father, the son's repenting, genuine repentance. Father, I don't deserve to be a son of yours. I took the inheritance, I spent it, I rebelled against you. I'm just asking to be a servant. You know, the father doesn't even entertain that. His response says, but the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf, kill it, let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, was lost, is found. And they began to be merry. What do I mean by the disappearance of distance? Well, what I mean is that there's no probationary period with the father. Genuine repentance grants total acceptance. This son was genuinely repentant. The father immediately took him back in. There was no probationary period. Father, the God, God the Father does not wait for you to repent and see how you're going to do with it. Right? He knows already. He is accepting you when you come to that decision to repent to Him. And what we see here is that the distance vanishes away as soon as you repent and return to the Father. I mean, as soon as this boy gets home, think about it. Everything about the distant life disappears. The self-loathing disappears in the embrace of the Father's love. I mean, the father didn't just run to meet him. The father didn't go out and scold him. The father didn't just approach him and wait for him to say the first word. The father ran and fell on his neck and embraced him and kissed him and hugged him. And he says, I love you even if you don't love yourself right now. The self-loathing disappears in the embrace of the father's love. How about this? The poverty of sin disappears under the best robe of the father's closet. Hey, he's got these ratty old rags on. They are worn thin. They are stained with the slop and the mud of the hogs. Hey, let me me cover that up for you. Let's let's make that disappear. And then the emptiness of hunger disappears with the food from the father's table. I mean, that boy was so hungry in the distant land that he was willing to eat corn husks. You ever seen what pigs eat? My job when I was growing up was to slop the hogs. Do you know where we got the slop from? It was what they threw out at the school cafeteria. That was a great place to get slop. I mean, it was just every nasty thing mixed together that the elementary school kids didn't eat off of their tray that day. It was a soupy mess of swill. And those pigs love it. One time we got a kid to eat out of the slop bucket. We had to pay him, but he did it. He didn't like it, but he collected his money anyway. If he was this hungry, the hunger pains had been his companion. And now all of a sudden, think about it. It's not the smell of slop. It is the smell of filet mignon. New York Strip, kill the fatted calf, bring out the food, fill this boy up, and the emptiness of his hunger disappears. With the fullness of food from the Father's table. All three of the parables tell us that there is an immediate celebration in the Father's house when a sinner repents. Did you notice that? As soon as the sheep was found, there's a party. There's rejoicing in heaven. As soon as the coin was found, there's a party. There's rejoicing over one sinner that repents. As soon as the repentant son comes home, the Father throws a party. It's a celebration. Why? Because the distance disappears. It is forgotten. It is buried in the sea of God's forgetfulness. He is happy to have the repentant one home. But wait, that is not the end of the story. Those of you who are astute Bible scholars will have noticed that I did not read the last seven verses of the chapter. I did not read verses 25 through 32. But I want to share with you the final revelation that Christ gives, and that is the duplicity of distance. In verses 25 through 32, what happens is the older brother, who has never left home, comes in from the field And there's a big party. Well, this wasn't on the calendar. This wasn't planned. And so he asks somebody who works on the property, what's going on here? Oh, your brother has come home. Your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating it as a party. And you know what? The older brother gets straight ticked off. He gets so mad that he won't even go into the house. The Bible says that the father comes out to entreat him. And through anger, he says, what are you doing? I mean, my brother went out. He spent all of his inheritance on whores and such the like. And I've been here with you the whole time, and you've never had a party like this for me. You see, the older son who never left home like the younger is upset when he sees the merriment surrounding his younger brother's return and what we find about the duplicity of distance is that you don't have to leave the father's house to become distant from the father. Oh, that boy stayed the entire time, but he wasn't as close to the father as he could have been. Isaiah 29, 13, this condition this way. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips who honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me. You see, what you find in this text is not one distant son, it's two distant sons. And the only difference in the end of the story is that one son repented and the other son, there's no record of his repentance. As it turns out, both sons needed to repent to draw closer to the Father. And so I want to close this morning by asking you, what about you? Are you in need of repentance to draw near to God? Maybe you haven't went out like the prodigal son and lived in an extreme distance from the Father. Maybe you've stayed even in the Father's house. But in your heart, you know that there's some distance between you and the Father. The solution is simple. It's repentance. Change your mind. Change your direction. Come back home. Would you bow with me? So we bow our heads, close our eyes for just a moment. Repentance isn't something to be ashamed of. Repentance isn't just for the worst of us. Repentance is the provision that God gave for us to draw near again. He knew the proclivity and the propensity that we had to be drawn away, to become distant. And he wanted to make sure that we knew there was a clear path back. It is repentance. Maybe you're here today and you never trusted Christ. You need to repent, you need to change your mind, you need to put your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you repented unto salvation, but you know that your life has become a little distant from God. The answer for you is to repent, change your mind, change your direction. Come back to the Father. Seek Him and He will be found. He's looking for you. The distance is not nearly as far as it appears. Don't believe the lie of the devil. Believe the promise of God. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Dear Heavenly Father, I do pray. And praise you for this gift of repentance, Lord. There are times in our life when our decisions have constrained us and bound us in such a way that we don't have a place to turn around. Oh, but by your grace, you have given us a few wide spots in the road where if we are willing to change our mind, we can change our direction. Lord, I know that not everyone identifies with the prodigal son, but every one of us identifies with one of these two sons. We can be distant without ever really going that far away. Father, I pray that if there is distance between any of your children and you today, that we would close that gap by repenting and returning to you. Father, may it be a sweet celebration as we see it described here in Scripture. May we know and find that the sweetest place to be is in the arms of the Father. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.